Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I am so excited because we just got back from Sedona, Arizona, and we were able to meet some wonderful people, uh, one of whom I have on the show with us today is Carolyn Hauser, and she is just awesome. She is a German naturopathic doctor. She is a humanistic psychotherapist. She has written a book that you can find on amazon.com. It's about sexual healing. The book is called Blossom. Uh, Her specialty is family constellation. And that's where we come in. That's how we got to meet her is we showed up for a session just like that. Because I don't know, Overcomer Nation, I don't know if you've ever struggled with this before, but um, we're just not perfect at uh, raising children. And uh, sometimes our children give us some unexpected surprises, sometimes a little bit of adversity that we have to go through with them. And Cindy and I were there preparing, trying to figure out just how to best make our family work. And Carolyn was instrumental in that. And I just wanted more people to be aware of the type of work that she does. So I've asked her to be on the show today. Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Ah, well, thank you for making time. I know that you're busy. I appreciate the time that you're uh, willing to share with us today. And uh, if you could, maybe we can just kick off with your journey that's led you to where you are today, because from adversity, great things are born. And I think that you had a personal experience that kind of led to the work that you're doing, you know, so maybe you could start off sharing there or wherever you'd like to start. Yeah. So I generally like to start my story literally a little bit out there because I truly do remember being up in heaven or whatever you want to call that you know and the the image that i have like it was like a kindergarten i felt like i was in kindergarten and source or god came and said hey there's trouble down on earth men and women don't get along and we need some volunteers and my hand just raised itself and then the next thing i knew i was born in my parents house in germany <laughs> that's how my story starts literally um and then my 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 family story or my my biological genetical story on earth is that i was born into a family um that had had a lot of suffering during world war ii so what most people don't know is that there were a whole bunch of germans that had left germany like in the 17 and 1800s and lived in eastern europe and they were integrated in that culture and in the communities there and they were living peacefully until world war ii happened and then you know and then germany became the enemy right and so the germans living in those other countries then became heavily persecuted and both my grandparents parents um were in their 30s at the time so out of my eight great grandparents only half of them survived Mm. and so my parents you know were children basically so my parents only had half of their grandparents my grandparents only had half of their parents and so there's a lot of trauma that, that 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 I was born into, not necessarily at that time, but that my my family lineage carried. And I didn't know all of this, you know, when I was born, obviously when I was a little kid. And I seemed to have had a really good childhood. And then when I turned 10, all of a sudden I started struggling with eating disorders and I struggled with some um, from 10 till I was 20. 
mm-hmm. and couldn't really figure out why. My parents were very supportive and tried anything. You know, they schlepped me to art therapy. They schlepped me to Indian saints, Buddhist monks, um, normal psychotherapy, you know, analytical talk therapy. And um, while it was nice to have people and get their compassion and so forth, nothing, just nothing seemed to help with the eating disorders. Mm. And so to make a long story short, um, around my 20th birthday, my mom found family constellations, which um, typically or traditionally is done in kind of like a group setting and a work weekend workshop. And she invited me to come to a weekend workshop because she had just experienced it and thought it was really powerful. And I really, really wanted to heal. Um, at the time that I was 20, my, my, my prognosis for living to be 30 was, or my chances for living to be 30 was 5%. When you when you suffer from an addiction longer for ten year than ten years, those are the statistics basically. And all I wanted at that point was just I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to be able to have a relationship and have children, and that was to- like totally out of reach. Seemed totally out of reach. So I went to that weekend workshop. Um, they they led me through a pretty profound experience, and I can share a little bit more about you know what that looked like in a bit. Um, it, I mean, it was emotionally impactful. I went home and at first I didn't notice anything, but then over the course of the next two or three months, all of a sudden I had control over this thing, over these eating disorders that I never had before. Like I, I could stop, you know, I could stop myself mid-track. And then I, after two or three months, I didn't even have to start binging or shopping for food or starving or whatever, you know, the expression of the eating disorder was. And so six months into it, um, I met with a friend and he's like, just asking, you know, and passing how I was doing. And I'm like, well, I think I healed myself from the eating disorders finally. And he said, well, how did you do that? Because I know you've been struggling so hard with this. Mm-hmm. And when he asked me that question, then the light bulb went off. And I remember that I had gone to that weekend, you know, just six months or so prior. And that's when I started putting two and two together. And then he said, well, if you found something that's helping, like you need to, like, you need to study this, you need to make this your life purpose. And so my whole twenties, I really dedicated to learning this method and traveled the world to find master people in this methodology. And that's what also led me to the United States eventually. Wow. You just shared so much. That was was, was really Really amazing. Well, I mean, first, I just want to touch on a couple of things that you shared. And then I definitely want to go to what happened at the workshop, because um, I think that we need to know a little bit more about that. Um, Now, when you say uh, that you kind of picture yourself in heaven, and uh, you know, that some families need some help, and you know, uh, you know, who's willing to volunteer? Would you classify that as a as a memory for you? Or is it like a vision that you have? Or how would you how would you classify that? Because that, that's- it is it it's like a memory. It is like a memory. I've always had like I've always felt like I had been sent by God and that I have a purpose, a specific purpose. And obviously, it's become clearer and clearer. You know, the wow. older I've gotten. That's but awesome. yeah, that's awesome. And I found it so remarkable when I, we met you that um, you know you may have a small accent, but uh, thank you for sharing about your heritage, about being born in Germany. <laughs> You know, many people look back at the time of World War II and, you know, think of the Germans as persecutors. But uh, much like uh, maybe some of our Middle Eastern friends today, uh, you know, that at the time of 9-11 or whatever, you know, that there was like just these uh, 
you know, just a lot of uh, racism going on, you know, that everybody was, you know, considered a terrorist. And, uh, you know, yeah. that's what, uh, you know, your German family members were going through. So uh, uh, that's an interesting thing for people to think about. Um, so you have this eating disorder and you go uh, to this workshop and, uh, you know, it, it changed you. I mean, you started, you, you were, you had a, a 5% chance of survival going in. And now, you know, all of a sudden things just start to come into place and, and change. Um, what do you think was the powerful exercise or, or what happened at that workshop that uh, made the difference? Yeah. So I'll tell you literally what happened and I'll explain what, what I know now, why I think it really worked. Um, so when I went there, there was people were about 16 people and two facilitators and everybody had something. We didn't know each other at all. We didn't know anything. And the facilitators didn't know much about these people either. They all just knew that we had a problem that we wanted to be solved. Some people had, you know, health issues, cancer or something. Some people were facing divorce or money struggles. I was there to heal my eating disorders. That's all they knew. And so as the weekend progressed, person after person raised their hand and said, okay, I want, I want this done with me. And, and so by the time that it was my turn, I had already kind of watched a few people go. And what I mean by that is, um, when it was their turn, they would state their issues. So let's say, you know, yeah, my wife and my my wife and I are not getting along and I want to see if I can save my marriage. So that person would then get to pick two people from the audience to represent one person for themselves and one person for their wife, for example. And they would ask somebody in the audience if they would be willing to represent. And if that person was willing, they would get up. And then the original person who has the problem took them by the hand or shoulders and placed them in the room. That's why it's called constellating. So you're taking your inner picture and you're constellating it. You're spatially putting things in the room. And, um, and so in my case, they, they asked me to pick people from the audience for my family. So my two siblings, my mom and my dad and the eating disorder. And so I had five people representing one for myself. Also, I placed them in the room. And then based on how I placed them, they could already tell that, you know, my, my dad was way over in the corner, wasn't really connected. And so it basically makes the hidden dynamic, the subconscious dynamic, the, the root causes of the unspoken things and the unspoken dynamics in your family visible. And not just in your family, you know, you can use this method for all kinds of things. But in this case, it was obviously um, in our family. And most of our deeper traumas, they really um, stem from our family because, we come from them, right? It's in our DNA and there's epigenetics now that explains the signs of um, kind of like inheritance and how we inherit um, trauma and, and um, like belief systems in a sense from, from our family, from our family ancestry. So at the, the, the picture usually always starts out very disjointed and um, dysfunctional and uh, the art or the job of the facilitator is to figure out how to bring balance back or how to basically look where the love is not flowing and see what needs to be said or to be moved or rearranged so that energy can flow again that the love can flow again in a simply in a very simplified way I'm explaining this mm -hmm. and so what came out in my constellation actually and they they it's a it's a very investigative process in my in my constellation what they realized is that it had to do my eating disorders had to do with um my grandmother my grandmother on my mother's side when she was 10 the soviet military came and took them all from their house and they had a really good lifestyle 
and basically threw them in an internment camp. So my my grandma, her my great grandmother, and my grandma's siblings, um, they ended up in an internment camp from when my grandma was ten till twenty. And because I love my grandma very much, and subconsciously, when we're children, when we love our parents or any kind of ancestor and grandparent, bigger sibling, and they they had gone have gone through something unconsciously, we know this. Our soul knows this. So in my case, my soul basically said, okay, you know, I know that you went through this horrible tragedy from when you were 10 till you're 20. Um, let me take your pain. Let me starve myself in your case, you know, in your, instead of you, in your place. Right? Subconsciously, out of a blind love, in a sense, as a young child, I took this on thinking subconsciously that if I suffered, somehow it would make her suffering, would erase her suffering or would make it less. And obviously, logically, this makes no sense. <laughs> but this is what we do subconsciously, you know? Yeah. So uh, if you could maybe go a little deeper on how trauma can be inherited and has that uh, epigenetic, uh, you know, the influence on the genetics uh, that we're talking about. Because, um, yeah, that, that's really interesting because you, you loved her so much that your soul kind of empathized with hers and took on a, a certain amount of pain out of love. You know, that's a, I don't know. You know, you said there's some science and things that, you you know, you're aware of. Yeah. Just share a little bit about that. Yeah. So generally, I think people think that when trauma happens, when something bad happens to us, that it's a psychological or mental thing that it just messes with our thinking right that's the common knowledge i think and part of that is obviously true but what people don't know is that first of all everything's energy we are energy we are you know made of atoms so everything that is in existence is is a is an energy being or an energy thing at its core and because everything's energy everything's connected and so when trauma happens it's actually more of like an energy overload. Think of like a house being hit by a lightning storm. Mm -hmm. Like when trauma happens, it's more comparable to a, a lightning storm hitting a house that wasn't wired correctly or didn't have like a, what do you call it? A, um, the thing that protects you. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you know, I know. <laughs> a lightning like, rubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Sure. So when that happens, our wiring system gets fried. Our nervous system, our literal nervous system, which is, you know, physical, it's physical material in our body. It's like energy lines. Think of electricity and wiring in a, in a house and power that powers the house. So if your body is comparable to a house, when it gets too much of an electrical charge, um, the wires inside of your house will kind of break down or melt down or get overloaded and just not work correctly anymore and so in our body the nervous system is that the system that makes us physically and electronically run in a sense and energetically and so because when trauma happens there is a physical alterca alteration our physical nervous system gets altered that's why then also the and the next the next child that's born they're, since they have the same DNA as we have, their nervous system and their biochemistry, which our hormones and our biochemistry and our nervous system are very tightly connected, will be different. So to make this make it make an example, somebody who grew up in a very safe and very nurturing environment, their nervous system is mostly relaxed and therefore their neurochemicals are relaxed, where 
you have access to your cognitive brain. So our brain has three different regions. The first one is the reptilian brain. That's our instinctive kind of fight or flight brain. When we're threatened or when, we're, when we have a specific neurochemical mix and we live more from flight or flight, we make different decisions than when we're relaxed and have a, so when we're relaxed, we have a different neurochemical um, cocktail in our blood and we have access to different parts of our brains. We have access to higher parts of our brain and we make very different decisions, much better decisions in our life than when we're in fight or flight. So when somebody has had trauma or comes from a lineage where there's much trauma, their nervous system is much more prone to be in more of the survival reptilian kind of brain state and um, more prone to make not so good decisions because they come from more a reactive state. And you didn't ask that question, but somehow that just no, wanted to be said. You know? <laughs> I actually want you to go there. You gave some good information when we were in Sedona that uh, I want our audience to have too, that has a little bit to do with how we're nurtured and whatnot. Um, but I guess before I go too far in that direction, I should probably stay with you a little bit on. Um, uh, so you're at the workshop and, you you know, there were people choosing people from the audience. And, you know, so you discovered this uh, this part about yourself through that process. And that really translates to what we did in our family constellation session with you, because uh, we came into the room and you had us choose from these colored tiles, if you will, they're. Uh, yeah. ones to represent our family and we chose one for each of us and we chose one to represent destiny and uh, we arranged them uh, in a certain way on the floor and uh, you actually got on to those tiles and it, it seems like you know you felt like an energy from them and by the time our session was over we had kind of rearranged us into a healthier pattern so I mean maybe uh, you know, because I'm certainly willing to share. Uh, I want our audience to know about what happened to us in Sedona because it can happen for you too if this is something that interests you. So, um, can you tell me a little bit about that work that we were doing? You know, because you know, what were you feeling? Uh, I mean, how did that work? Uh, how does that work for you? That you know, people come in and choose these tiles, and then there's an arrangement, and then you you're actually standing on the tiles, and you're. It seemed like a, for a little while we were observing you and you were kind of figuring some things out and then, uh, and then you were kind of talking us through and asking us some questions about it. So, uh, uh could you tell a little bit about that process? Yeah. 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 So first of all, I don't do it in a group, right? I basically, instead of having a bunch of people in my room, I have these colored fields that I use and I represent all the different things. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just a way of being able to work one-on-one -on -one with people. Mm -hmm. So this body of work was originally discovered not really invented it was more observed and discovered by a man named Bert Hellinger and he was a missionary so he had like a spiritual background and he was also a minister and his ministry had brought him to Africa and the story that I know is that he was working with Sulu tribes and he observed that when in the Sulu tribe somebody was sick or somebody did something bad they didn't single out the person and treated the symptom you know or just the single person they got together as a tribe and worked and really looked at like what has led to this why is this person sick or why is this person acting out and they looked at it as a as a thing that was caused by everything basically and so by in observing the sulu tribe he basically saw that they had discovered that there's certain orders that things have certain place and when they're in the right place um things work correctly so in a family for example when the when the when the children have taken the parents' place, there's 
chaos, <laughs> you know, or vice versa. Um, and there's many other orders. So parents came first, children came second, for example, you know. So it's very simple orders, and there's seven or eight of them. And so as a facilitator, when when you when people place their fields on the floor, you kind of already kind of look for what is it out of order or is it in the order, basically. But that being said, you can't just force things in the right order just because you know. So it's not like I just know, okay, you know, the husband has to be on the right side and the woman is up to on the left side. And if you put it the other way, I can't just move the fields and be done with you. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's a representation of what's what really is the dynamic between the two of you or whoever is in my room. The other component to this work is that because it's all energy and we are all energy, we are connected energetically to everything. And we call this everything, the knowing field, you know, you could call it God or source or the universe. Like I think these words are all interchangeable and someone like me, I've just trained myself by working with this daily to be really good at feeling or reading or sensing this energetic field and translating it into words that make sense. Right. So when I step on, so let's say, you know, you place the field for yourself and you, you can share with your listeners, you know, your side of the experience, but you place the field for yourself. And then I stepped onto your field and I didn't really know you at all. Mm-hmm. And so when I step into somebody else's field, I feel as if I am that person on a, I can feel your sub what's going on in your subconscious. So you as yourself, and this is true for any, anybody, me as myself, I don't feel my subconsciousness. I don't know what's going on. I know there's something not working when when I go do things over and over and over. Or when you can, you know, we can recognize that there's patterns. Why right? do we do things that we don't want to do? And why do we do them over and over? We can assume there's something in our subconscious that's making us do it. So this work allows me to basically feel you and what's going on in your subconscious. And because I'm something outside of yourself and I'm visible. It's a way for me to make your, a way for yourself to make your subconscious visible through me in a sense. Right. And I mean, you can tell them, you know, how it was for you, for you to see me be you. Yeah, no, it, it was really interesting because, um, you know, you asked us questions about our daughter that we had never even thought of. Um, like she did have a, a pretty tough time at age three. Um, with having to move to from the only home that she was interested that she'd ever been in and you know that she had an, uh, a tough time at a certain daycare and and you know like you were asking us about this time and we are we were actually so focused on the things that had happened in her teen years that we hadn't even really thought about like you know the first time that something happens and uh, you know that was just really interesting as you as you moved about our fields and and you, you had me pegged pretty well, too, as the, uh, <laughs> I was playing a, play a pretty passive role in all this, um, you know, because I wasn't involved for a number of years. And so I, uh, I, I guess I take a back seat or whatever. And you were, yeah, uh, and you were carrying a lot of guilt also, uh-huh. right? A lot of people, yeah. the reason why we don't do or is because we have this, you know, subconscious guilt and it keeps us from really living the lifestyle we could be living. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, Carolyn, because I think that that's good for our listeners. Um, Carolyn was really good to remind me that of all the handful of things that I've done wrong, you know, there's thousands of things that I've done right, but maybe you can relate over combination. Do you just focus on the three, four, five things that you've done wrong and, and let that just be the opinion that you have of yourself or, or do you focus on the thousands of things that you've done right? Because, uh, 
Carolyn was trying to help me find my rightful place and think about all the good that I've done as a father, as a husband and say, you know, Hey, you're, you're the man of the house. You know, you're, you're the papa. She's the mama. This is a daughter, you know, and like, uh, if you get it wrong, um, it's not going to be for good relationships, you know? So I, I thought it was, uh, it was very powerful and it was, it was, it was healing. It was good to think of things that way from that perspective. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank You're you welcome. That. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you move about these, you move on to the different tiles and, you know, because you're not doing it in a group, you know, you represent each person and you talked about a, a knowing energy, a knowing field. Um, uh, you know, I, I, this stuff is kind of unfamiliar to me, but um, can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? What that means to you, if you don't mind, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so in general, in terms of like energy work or people with, you know, abilities, we, I believe that we are all born with these abilities and some of us were lucky enough to kind of preserve them or even be supported in them or be in an environment where it was more normal. Um, I was very lucky to grow up in an environment where um, I, I, I went to a Waldorf school and in the Waldorf school system, children are really revered for a spiritual beings and for their unique, whatever they are, right? So I was lucky to grow up in that kind of environment. But that being said, also, I still couldn't figure out who I was or what I was supposed to be doing because I didn't fit into like, I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't really want to be a psychotherapist. You know, I was like, I didn't fit into the roles that were there. So I knew from like early on that I had some kind of some ability that, you know, I was using to know things, you know, intuition, whatever you want to call it, but I didn't have any language. I was really drawn to crystals. I could feel their energy and they felt good to me and for most people when I talk you know when I talk with them almost everybody's had an an, an an experience where you walked into a room and you could sense the energy or you walked somewhere or you had like an experience in nature you know it's not like we don't have these experiences they're just not talked about enough and they're not part of like our own normal life yet I want to say so in general there's clairvoyance clear sentience and clear audience so there's people that either hear stuff the clear audience people hear things, the clear wine people, they see pictures, they see energy in picture form. And then people like me, I'm a clear sentient. I feel things literally. And it's a part of my intuition. I'm using my intuition in a sense to, to kind of like as if you were blind and you had to go into a room and you had to feel your way through it. That's how I go into these fields. And um, you're welcome to try this at home. It's like, this, this is not rock and science. It's just really doing it and getting over yourself and playing with it. You could put a field if you're in a partnership or if you're with a friend, you could put a field for your friend and you could put a field for yourself. And then you could trade places so that you're stepping into the energy of your friend or your partner and vice versa. And you would be surprised mm -hmm. how you how you literally feel, you know, so... So, so let's let's talk about that. If you were to do it at home, what, what could they use? Could they use pillows from the couch or whatever? Yeah, or magazines or coffee table book or even, you know, even paper towels or um, construction paper, washcloths. So they would just place it on the floor. They'd pick uh -huh. something and I'm going to place this on the floor to yeah. you know, represent myself. And, yeah. And, and then the other person can stand on their energy field and see what yeah. they do. Yeah. yeah. 
or if you by yourself and you you know you don't have anybody to do it with maybe you have a dog or you know maybe you have a child like you know be creative with their this this the beautiful thing about this body of work it's not regulated and it's really there for people to play with and experiment with it and people are always surprised how much they feel mm-hmm. you know and it's different than yourself you can distinguish it you know and one more time, if you could, uh, there was an inventor of the work and you said he was a minister or uh, who was it? Yeah. This work? His name is Bert Hellinger. He's still alive, but he, I think he's in his 90s now. Okay. He's Austrian. So. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, you also shared something else with us that I thought was really good. Um, I was probably uh, even more interested in it because I'm about <laughs> to have a grandson, you know, and I was like, okay, so what's the right way? And you were talking about, and you said that the information can also be found on your website, yeah. um, which I do want to talk about that before this uh, show is over, you know, just how people can get in touch and learn more. But uh, uh, what was the, uh, the lesson that you gave us on babies and attachment, if you will? Yeah, so we have in in general when we're born as children we either attach or have a caregiver that's really there for us and if we do have that then we we build what's what's called a secure attachment and it has to do with our brain again our brain grows up relaxed and we have access to our higher faculties and we become somebody who's very resourceful and just feels really secure in the world if we don't have that caregiver or caretaker or not consistently we develop either an anxious attachment style or an avoidant and dependent on our attachment style later in life is our ability to create really harmonious, stable relationships. And when we're adults, this actually, and this is getting a little bit more spicy here, <laughs> when we're adults, actually, it ties in with our sex lives. So the really interesting thing that I shared with you is that um, there's a woman named Marnia Robinson. And she spent 16 years of her life researching this and researching why human relationships, adult intimate relationships were so volatile. And she discovered that we have two programs for lovemaking. One is connected to procreation and um, procreation and survival of the species. And the other one has to do with human pair bonding and creating stable bonds. And so this other program for lovemaking uses the same neurochemicals and the same brain chemistry as um, basically a mother child in the secure bonding um, scenario would use. And it makes it so that we can, I believe it's the key if we know this and if we can learn this other way and educate ourselves, we can have very, very stable, long lasting relationships where even the honeymoon feelings last and we don't have to go either get bored with each other or be on a constant roller coaster. So Mm. what would would be the key differences um, in that type of, uh, it seems like, of course, a much healthier connection. You know, one is just for procreation, which obviously yeah. is the survival of our species, but the other seems to be for the survival of our relationship, right? Exactly. So what would be like the uh, the key things that people would need to know about that type of uh, lovemaking or that kind of, uh, you know, connection? Yeah, it's people will not want to hear this because it comes as a shocker. But <laughs> um, so the, the main problem is actually orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> which we all love you know we all love it we're like oh no, no 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 i'm not gonna give that up well let me tell you there's something better you know and it's hard to fathom i know that there could be something better but there is and it has to do with this other chemical cocktail so an orgasm is a chemical cocktail that creates a high just like taking heroin or cocaine and it leaves us um afterwards depleted and kind of on a really bad roller coaster of emotions and neurochemicals in our brains for actually two weeks after 
most people don't take enough time to actually really experience it. But that's the main thing. So when we learn to make love in this other way, and it's not about avoiding orgasm, it's literally learning this other way of having a, it's a different kind of a high. It feels really amazing. It's not like just a quick, it's a much more sustainable and longer good feeling feeling. Um, and it uses oxytocin, which is really, really good for our neurochemistry and doesn't have any fallout, basically. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Wow. And uh, to learn more, would they go to your website for more information? Yeah. Okay. yeah it's just carolynhauser.com. I have free trainings on this and uh, a lot of research and resources. Well, yeah. well, you've been really generous with your time today. I, I thank you for sharing. I thank you. I thank you for what you did for us in Sedona. I thank you for your time there and and then being willing to do a follow-up because I just want to want to expose people to what's available and what's out there and you know things that you may have never learned about because you grew up in a certain culture or a certain uh, belief system or whatever. But uh, that doesn't mean that there aren't others that are out there that are also helpful to you if, uh, if you have an open mind. Uh, so uh, yeah, how can people follow you and get more of you? Is there any uh, social media or uh, any way to reach out, you know, or is it yeah. your website or... My website, then I have a YouTube channel and Facebook. It's all in my name. It's all just Carolyn Hauser. And um, that's the best way really to get in touch with me. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for what you did for myself and my family. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And that was a great interview. Thank you so much. All right, have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com.